Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir Magazine. And according to uh, our station manager, you can now see this show live. If you go to jrootradio.com, you can see this recorded right here in the studio. Uh, and if you want to listen to it or watch it later on, you can do that too at jrootradio.com. And you can call us uh, on 718-506-9099 to hear the show. But if you want to see it live or record it, you can go to uh, jrootradio.com and you could look for us, which is uh, we're on the live now, and then afterwards it's recorded in the Kashrus on the Air segment. Tonight's program, we're going to deal with meat. Meat is a topic that everybody has uh, plenty to talk about. Unless you're a vegetarian, everybody has to tie into the meat issue. And it's very confusing. I know for many people, I get a lot of calls, a lot of people consult me about uh, situations regarding invitations to a chasna, etc. And they're asking me about what we should do with meat. So I'm going to give you a general guideline tonight. It won't necessarily cover everything, but it'll definitely give you a, a clear guideline. And uh, hopefully it will save uh, you a lot of work. And maybe it'll make life uh, easier in general. The issue of meat is an ancient problem. There's so many parts to shrita, nikur, malicha, all the processes involved in getting the meat to you and the namanas of the person. It's really a complicated issue, the delivery of meat. But things got a lot better in the last number of years. I'm going to take you back a ways. Uh, we're here in Flatbush, in Brooklyn, and years ago there was only one Hashkocha in Flatbush. That was the Vater Abonim of Flatbush. Rabbi Sidney Applebaum was the head at that time, when I, at least when I was aware of it, maybe earlier somebody else. And he told me the following story, which I think is very interesting. He had the opinion, and many people in the cautious world have that opinion, that they're not going to take any meat products into their establishments. And there were a good 50 to 100 uh, meat establishments, or sorry, I shouldn't say meat, the, the establishments here that were under Hashkocha of the Vader Abonim of Flatbush, close to 100 Hashkochas in their, in their heyday. And at that time, he said, we're not going to take any meat into our establishments unless we go down and check it. So a certain company wanted to get meat into the area here, and he said, you'll have to come, we'll have to come down. And he took a group of rabbis, I don't know how many it was, let's say, let's say five, six rabbis, and they went on a trip. It was an airplane trip to the place where they're producing the meat. I don't know if that was the actual shechita or was a processing plant. I really don't remember the story that well because I heard it about 30 years ago. Anyway, they come to this plant and they look at it. Everything looks perfect. And uh, they're discussing it afterwards and they're going to sleep. In the morning, they're going back to Brooklyn, and Rabbi Applebaum couldn't sleep. He said something bothered him. I, till this, I don't remember exactly what it was. I don't know if he ever told me exactly what bothered him, but something bothered him. He just didn't feel confident. Maybe it was just too slick. I don't know what it was. He didn't like something. So he said to the Chevra, we may miss the plane, we may catch the plane, but we're going back tomorrow morning. They weren't scheduled to go back the next day. We're going back tomorrow morning. 
So yeah, one of the other rabbis is going to say, okay, rabbi, you know, we'll go, we'll, we'll go with you. So they go, they call a cab, and they go to the place they went to the day before, and the place is absolutely closed. There is nobody there. I, it's true, it's early in the morning, maybe 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, but still in all, nobody was there. And then they spied a guard. And they went over to the guard, and Rabbi Applebaum said, I don't know how he had the, the, uh, the intuition, but he said to the guard, uh, we're supposed to go to the new place. You want to tell us where the new place is? And sure enough, he gave him directions to a different plant entirely, and that's where the actual production was taking place. They had gone to the old factory to show it off to the rabbis. Where actually, what was wrong with the new factory, I don't know. But obviously, that meat was not being taken into Flatbush. That's the way the meat business used to be, not a million years ago, a few decades ago. But we know, or anybody who's been following Kashras, either in Kashras magazine, our, our regular publication, or on this show, or just in the newspapers in general, you've seen a lot of violation, Akashus violations in the meat area. We had here in Flatbush on Avenue J where things were being sold as glad kosher and they weren't glad kosher. And the uh, man had to close up his business and leave. Another uh, situation in Muncie, which everybody knows about, where non-kosher chickens were sold. Uh, I think they discussed about whether it was meat also, but definitely non-kosher chickens were being sold as kosher, and he was, he was a glot kosher butcher that was used by absolutely everybody. So that was a, a, a situation. In Doheny situation in, in California, where there was a gentleman who also was a distributor, and he was taking in non-kosher meat into his kosher, his glot kosher establishment in order to save money, he was using some non-kosher to cut down the costs. And he snuck it in the middle of the night. He snuck it in. People didn't see it. Same thing with the gentleman of Muncie. He snuck it in at night, processed it at night when the rabbis weren't around. And this is what was being done. So those are very dramatic situations. So it, has it really changed at all? The answer is yes and no. What's changed is that the cautious agencies who run the different shritas are much stronger than they used to be. There are, since Rabashkin started, there are other companies where the ownership of the entire process is in Jewish hands. There are, are places where they're shechting, where we have more control, we have a higher amount that we're buying, where we have toughened up in, the, in, 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 our, in our distribution to the point where there's a tremendous level of confidence that what w was supposed to be kosher and glad kosher is actually coming in that way. So, yes, the situation has tightened up. What is a problem is in the secondary marketplace. That is where there always has been a problem and it and hasn't, be, hasn't been resolved. It may never be. Hopefully it will be. But promises, promises, we haven't gotten to the point where we could say everything is solid in the secondary marketplace. I'm going to explain a little bit what that means. But before I do that, let me just say that at the present time, the general consensus, I'm not saying everybody will agree with my statement, but the general consensus is that pretty much all of the so-called Hamish, glad kosher um, meat producers are doing a very good job. 
Now, you have to understand, it's a, it's a tremendous undertaking to do a meat business. The size, let's say, Rabashkin had, now I agree, where a man has to be there in charge of, the, of everything that goes on in the plant. And it has to be from the rabbi who is giving the hashkacha. So that you have to have a man who's full-time on top of absolutely everything there. Because the rabbi is involved in other things in his life, is giving other hashkachas, and he doesn't live out there. And he's way away from New York. So you have to have a person that's there all the time who is absolutely uh, competent beyond belief to, to maintain the whole situation. It's a big undertaking and a big plan, a very, very ma major undertaking. But the people have gotten up to that level where they're doing a, a very, very good job. So there are people who will only use one shrita, one situation, and they're makpid on that. And I can understand that. But if you want to make a statement about the meat business today, I would say in the primary meat department, where those where they're producing the meat, I would say things are pretty much in order and people could feel confident if they want to rely on any of the shritas. That we're talking about Glakosha Shrita, that is under a Hamashashkacha, and basically whether it's in this country or outside of this country, I mean American companies. I'm not necessarily talking about Europe or in Israel. I'm talking about here, American companies, wherever they're producing it. Basically, this is the way the, the, the people feel. Whether it's 100% true, 90% true, but it's a pretty good statement. So if people want to feel confident that way, I have no problem with that. But there are other issues. There are plenty of other issues. One of the issues is the secondary market. Now, to understand the secondary market, imagine, if you will, a small town. Uh, it's not Buffalo, New York, it's not a small town, but it's far away from New York City. So in the old days, how did they get kosher meat and chicken up in uh, Buffalo? Uh, the company Will, that's W-I-L-L, -L, that's the guy's name, Will's uh, Meats or whatever we called himself, he used to supply the different uh, kosher uh, venues for the people up in Buffalo. I don't know how they get their things now. So this goes back about 35 years ago. So Will was bringing up all the things. He was bringing up empire chickens for somebody that I know. And that, that person was a rabbi in a shul. And he used to get empire chickens in a case. But Will was bringing up all kinds of meats, kosher and non-kosher, chickens that were kosher and non-kosher. And sure enough, because of the trip all the way up to Buffalo, uh, things shaked around in his truck. And sure enough, the, very often, the crates of chicken were broken. And inside, there was no sim on him. Now, on the, on the outside package, on the outside crate, there were sim on him. It was, like, it was shown up that it was, you know, it was sealed, whatever. But it was broken. <laughs> whatever there was, there was no more. So here you have a situation where uh, Will is bringing up kosher and non-kosher, and the chickens are rolling around in the back of his truck, literally, until he throws them back into the box. And some of them didn't come with plumbers. Some of them didn't come with plumbers, and they weren't packaged with a, a special plastic around it. It was in a crate. He put it back in. But they couldn't use those chickens. They had to return them. So it was a crazy thing, and he could for a long time. So he wrote an article for Conscious Magazine, this rabbi. And this goes back, as I say, many, many years ago, about 35 years ago. Uh, maybe 34, 35 years ago. 
Well, what happened was that because of the article that we had in Kashas magazine, there was a Rabbi Hirschsprung in Canada who was a Lubavitcher, and he had a lot of uh, uh, importance in the community. He was a very well-respected rabbi, Rabbi Hirschsprung, and he heard about the article that we wrote about Will's Will bringing up the chickens and the crates cracking and everything like that. And he heard about it, and he instructed his people that we have to change the way we're importing chickens from the United States because of the article that was in Cautious Magazine. It's one of those articles that had a very profound effect. Uh, we only found out about it, you know, after the fact through somebody who told somebody, whoever it is that ended up that we got the information. But that, that's the kind of thing that used to occur. Today, people who produce in the, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the factories, in the, where they're doing the shrita, they're more careful in the packaging. Can things be delivered wrong? Yes, 150%. But usually, it'd be a situation where you'd know about it. So, for example, let's going back to the Rabashkin days, because Rabashkin is not here anymore, whether, uh, I don't know how Agri is set up, but the Rabashkin, the very old, he had uh, different levels of shrita. And I don't want to discuss it because it's not really no gay to anything anymore, but it was very interesting, the different levels of shrita that he had, different people who did different shritas out there. Anyway, he had, uh, after the shrita was done and they were checking the animals, sometimes they had shilas. So very often the glad kosher people would not take that. The glad kosher people would shift it off to the regular kosher. And there was a rabbi in charge of the regular kosher. It wasn't the OU. It was a rabbi, well-known rabbi, who, who gives a certification on the non-glot meat at Rabashkin. That's what he did. And that was being used by different uh, people who wanted non-glot meat. And uh, it, was, it was obviously done at the, at the Rabashkin plant, but whatever it was a Shiloh was shoved over to his department, and he had decided to accept it. Now, sometimes people were getting that meat mixed in with their, with their meat. Or if they asked for, uh, so for, yes, for example, for, their, uh, for, they asked for a base Yosef glot, they were getting non-base Yosef glot sent over. So this is the kind of thing that happens in real time from a factory. But you know what you're getting, you know how it's coming, you know where it's coming from, and you have kosher coming out there. Obviously, the non-kosher is sent to the non-kosher department very quickly, and that doesn't get mixed in. But you can have mistakes occurring. You can order, order certain kinds of cuts, and you get another one. That's, that's uh, packaging issues. And, you know, it, it doesn't mean to say there was anything wrong and everyone knew what to return, and that's how it was done. That's what it was like. So, but the point is, yes, it, situations can occur. Now, but let's get to the secondary market because that is the interesting area. So before we do, I'm going to just take a moment to talk about our sponsor, which is Glotmart conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. Whenever I think of Glotmart, I think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. And at Glotmart, you'll save time using their valet parking service. Just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for, park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all those special items which you purchased in the store. And... Uh, Right now, on sale, you can get, that's today and tomorrow, 
You have raw tilapia fillets, three twenty-nine a pound. Snapple, sixty-four ounce, one eighty-nine. Mahadran um, fit and free ice cream bars, six pack, four ninety-nine. These are some of the uh, items that are on sale as we speak now, today, and tomorrow. Starting on Wednesday, you can have family pack chuck ground beef at four forty-nine a pound. Semi-boneless chuck. Seven ninety nine a pound. Veal scallopini, uh, scallopini, sixteen ninety nine a pound. And uh, Aaron's best chicken breast with wing. That's what we just mentioned. Aaron's. That's the new ones. The uh, that took over for Rabashkin. One ninety nine a pound. Beef blade London broil, nine ninety nine a pound. And chicken cubes at three ninety nine a pound. Those are some of the sale items at Glotmart starting on Wednesday. And the Glotmart, the quality of the meats is A one. With kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatikashas of Flatbush, with Base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor, at Glatmart you're getting quality kashras. Glatmart is at 1205 Avenue M. Meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dovin Glatmart, tell him you heard about Glatmart on Kashras on the Air over J Root Radio. Now I'm going to get back to the topic that I'm discussing, which is the meat business. Um, and uh, we're talking about secondary meat, secondary meat market. This is where pretty much most of the questions come up. If you look back on it, the Avenue J story, the Muncie story, the Doheny story out in California, all of these stories took place in a secondary market. That was not the Shrita. That was somebody who was a distributor. And when distributors are making money, they're making money from the you know, for the buying and the selling, they, they don't, they can't control the raw cost. They have, they're given a certain cost, and the markup has to be su- sufficiently low to get a business. So they're caught a little bit in between because if they go too, high, they go too high, they lose out to their competitors, and they have to have enough room for themselves to maneuver in the middle. So this is where they're often caught, and obviously the the the. Uh, the temptation of taking that extra money, of making the extra money by buying cheap, which means not kosher, that's a very big temptation to them. So I want to just tell you a quick story. Maybe we've said it before, but it's, it's worth hearing it if you didn't hear it before. Many, many years ago, uh, Rabbi Abraham Juravel, he's now with the OU. At that time, he was working for KAJ, for Breuer's Kahala Das Yeshurun. And uh, they did the shrita. They found that people were saying that they're getting so many tongues coming out and they can't imagine how many tongues there are because they didn't they seem to be more tongues than the animals they shechted. So they decided to do an experiment. Rabbi Juravel took his children, they were youngsters then, and he said to them, here are the plumbers that we're going to use this week at the Schlacht House. I want you to take each one of them and make a krechs in it. I want you to make a little scrape in it with a knife. But it shouldn't be something that you could see blatantly. It should be something that you'd have to look and then you see it. Because they don't want anybody to realize you put it on there. But I want each one to have a, 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 little, a little bit of a cut and this way we'll be able to find it. So they sat there a couple of hours going through uh, a, a large number of plumbers that were going to be put on the tongues of the following week at the Schlacht House. And you put them in, they gave them out, and Rabbi Juravel told me, wouldn't you believe it? 
there were tongues coming out this week without, without anything being scraped off on the palm book. It means they were fake. Now, what happened was, I'm going to explain it to you so you understand exactly what happened. Broyers did not own their own shechita. They didn't own the slot, the slaughterhouse. They didn't own the animals. They bought it. They bought it and got it as theirs. Then it was sold to distributors because Broyers is a, is a Jewish communal organization. They're not a distributor of meats, so it went to different distributors. And, and everybody, you know, it went into hands of people who had kosher and non-kosher and all kinds of different shechitas. So that's what happened. And yet, there was one place, Shields Brothers, which was up in Washington Heights. Maybe there was one more, but I remember Shield Brothers, because that's the one we ended up using, because of this whole story. <laughs> so Shield Brothers used to have a, a situation where they bought directly from the manufacturer, from the Schlachthaus, from the, super, from the slaughterer. They didn't buy from a middleman. They were a direct end user who bought straight from the slaughterhouse. How they able to do it, the volume, I don't know, but that's what they did. And then we're in Washington Heights, so we, the people from Broyers, the Broyers community is up in Washington Heights, and those are the people who are buying mostly from them. But I was in Brooklyn, and I had to get it schlepped down, and I'll tell you the story about that in one moment. But we were getting our, our meats taken by, from Shields Brother. This way, we had direct line. There was no middleman. And that's what we had to do to get that kind of safety in the meat area in those days, okay? In today's world, uh, it's much more common to have the, uh, the, the, uh, the people getting directly from the slaughterhouse. And we have slaughterhouses where the control is much different. We have the, you know, the alley, and you have the, uh, meal, the, the, uh, which is the meal mart, and you have, uh, yeah, you have Agri, which is a big competitor of theirs, which is the old Rabashkin. And they're often supplying directly to, uh, to supermarkets and to butchers so that actually you're not having a middleman, but there are middlemen. There are plenty of middlemen, and restaurants end up using middlemen, and some butcher stores are using middlemen, and this is where they get different supplies and different meats from different hashkachas. It makes it easier for them, and sometimes they want to have multiple suppliers, so they might get from a company directly and also from a middleman. Uh, whatever it is, they end up using these middlemen, and the middlemen are only as good as they are. If they, are they religious Jews? Are they honest Jews? Are they really, really honest Jews? This is this is a question. Are the plumbers coming out from the wrong on the wrong animal? I mean, this is the question. Very, very hard thing. Rabbi Juravel showed this many times, many times, that plumbers can be taken off and reused. It's it's a fact of life. Now they're getting into holograms and other things. Yes, there are upgrades in the system, and they're, they're being utilized. Hopefully, their protections are very strong. I'll just tell you a quick story also here. Also, I don't know if I finished everything here. I wanted to tell you the story about the meat coming to me. I may have said this before also. And that, and that is the one time, I usually get delivered by somebody from the Shield Brothers. And then one time I got from the owner. The owner lived in Borough Park. I don't think of, I don't know if his name was Shield and I don't remember anymore. It's too many years ago. This was like 20, 30 years ago. But, the, but we got from Shill Brothers, and the owner came to the house and he delivered the meat. And sure enough, the meat came in a double-sealed package. I said to him, you're the owner. I trust you. 
Well, you didn't have to come with a double sealed package. You take it whoever you bring in, I would have taken. He said, nothing leaves the store. This is the way the Breuer's was. Nothing leaves the store without a double seal on it. And this is way back. People weren't all doing it then. But everything leaves the store, not even, the, even though it's going with me. It cannot leave the store without a double seal on it. I'm very impressed by that. Anyway, that's, the, that's one of the, the types of problems that existed, and that's one of the reasons why it's very important to know the source of your meat. And that brings me to the next topic, which is absolutely no gaya to almost everybody listening to this show. And that is what we call repackaging. Because when you go to the stores, whether it is a, uh, a, a store, let's say, uh, a big supermarket, uh, or even sometimes in butchers, a lot of times that that meat is coming to you repackaged. And what happens is you see a packaging. It says on the packaging the name of the shrita. It may say the name of the rabbi. It may say the, num- the name of the store and the weight and the price. Where was that put on? Where was that done? More times than not, all of that is done right in the store which means they're taking a large supply of meat, which they get from a distributor or from, the, or from the actual source of the slaughterhouse, and then they cut it up into slices, the sizes and the configuration that they want, and then they weigh it and, it, and put it into the package, just close up the package and weigh it. And so they're claiming that the meat was the shrita that they say. And very often they had several shritas running in this, at the same time being sold in the store. So how do you know that what it says in the label is what's inside the package? So for years, nobody knew. And you relied on the owner. And the owner, you know, hopefully he's honest, hopefully fine. But we don't know. So now, a lot of places have repackaging, and they have a rabbi on the certification of rabbi so-and-so. You have to understand, what has rabbi so-and-so got to do with this whole thing? In some cases, he probably just relies on the owner and has nothing to do with any mashkiach or anything. He's like, less like a man, I rely on him, etc. In some cases, he may have a mashkiach in the store, and the mashkiach has responsibilities, might check vegetables. He may do a lot of different things. You know, it could be very involved. Um, we, we had one of the mashkiachim from a store from the Organic Circle we had here a few weeks ago. Uh, he has a very full-time job there in the mashkiach. You know, you could be, he's, he's, he's a mashkiach for hashkocha, and, and part of it could be in charge of the repackaging. Uh, but I want to tell you that I know for a fact that most of the time there is no mashkiach standing there. There is no Jew standing there when they're packaging the meat. Even if it's under hashkocha of a rabbi, it's then even if the rabbi has a mishkiach in the store, usually he's not there. He's doing something else. I've gone to the stores, I've seen the repackaging, and he's talking up to me, talking to me up in the office. He's talking to me, showing me different things in the place. He's not anywhere near the repackaging that's going on. And whether it's a repackaging of nuts and, and candies, or it's repackaging of meat, He's not there at all. So really, what are we relying on? Relying on some oversight by some rabbi or some mashkiach 
an orthodox boom owner that we sort of rely upon. Maybe we rely on the fact that they only take one shrit in the store, etc. But it would be nice to know things like, are they getting it from the slaughterhouse or are they getting it from a secondary distributor? Because then you're taking, you have a double problem. You're getting the repackaging and you're getting it from a middleman. And now we have more reason to suspect that something may not be going well. So this is the kind of issue that is important for us as a consumer to inquire about. Where is this meat that's coming into my house coming from? If you can trace it back and you're satisfied with the sources, good. If not, now you can start to think. I would love to have somebody that I know is a thousand percent and he's only getting from one source from the slaughterhouse. I'd love to have no repackaging. I'd love it to come you know, prepackaged. I love this, I love that. Well, do the best you can to get what you, what, what you want. And then when you go out to eat, it's good to ask the restaurant or the hashkocha. I hear it, you're using this and this meat. Where do you get it from? You get it directly from the, from the, uh, the slaughterhouse? Do you get it from a secondary distributor? And you have to be satisfied with that. If you're not familiar, check it out. I see we have a call, so okay. Uh, it, you check it out. Make sure that you're satisfied with how it came to you. Was that middleman a shoymetaru mitzvah? Does he only deal with very Hamish meats? Or are we talking about somebody who handles kosher and non-kosher in the same establishment and sending out to this person this and this person that? That's back at Wills again. We're back to where we were 35 years ago on the way up to Buffalo, where we're mixing treif and kosher together. I mean, I don't know if you realize it, but a lot of places do ship treif and kosher in the hanging meats on the hanging, uh, you know, the, quarter, the, the four quarters, the, the, the hanging on hooks in, tr in, in trucks right next to non-kosher meat. And it's all exposed. There's not even anything draping it. This is what's done but we need tight control, very, very tight control. This is something that we, as, a re as consumers, have to be responsible to find out about. Yes, the cautious agencies are working to tighten it up. They've done a lot to improve the shrita. The Nika problems are nothing compared to what was 40 years ago. I don't know if we have time tonight to go through the Nika problems of 40 years ago, but let, let's just simply say we've gone a long way in this country. We've come a long way from the 50s where Kashas was a fake. For the 30s and 40s and 50s, where Kashas was a fake. We've gone through you know, the 70s and 80s where we got a lot of kinks out of it. We're now in a more sophisticated mode. Yes, we have problems, and yes, there are going to be people that are going to cheat, and yes, they may wear yarmulkes and claim to be orthodox, and they may cheat people, but we have to make sure that we do the best we can to protect ourselves. I'll take the first call. I hope it's on this topic. Okay, you call, this is Rabbi Wickler. You're on the air now. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I have a quick question. Um, I saw a post-it from Ben & Jerry's ice cream that they're coming out with Harav <laughs> non-dairy ice cream now. Yeah, I saw it also. But I, I, I saw that very good. Okay. What can I tell you? Um, is that something, I guess, is that, is that like, I know it's tough case, so they have a DE as opposed to the OU doesn't have DE anymore. Well, it, it, it didn't come out yet, right? Um, I'm not sure if it's out yet in stores. Well, I know, know that they're advertising it already. Part, you don't know if it's going to be part of a dairy or dairy equipment. You don't know. Non -dairy it says non-dairy on it. What? 
It says non-dairy on the container. They have pictures. No, no, no. You don't. You don't let me explain to you. Let's and D-E, dairy equipment. Oh, it says D-E? Yeah, that's going okay. to say Huff K-D-E. Right, because it's, a, it's the same machinery, and uh, some of the stuff might actually be still there, and you'll have to discuss with the Huff K, whether if you're Makhpeda on, let's say, Chav Yisrael, then you'd have to ask the Huff K whether there's a compromise for Chav Yisrael. This is a cold process, and it could very well be that there's, there's a there's significant amount of product left on from the ice cream. Now, you asked me, how could that be? Because there's non-dairy. They, right. they have that even with the uh, non-dairy creamers that actually dairy. They have sodium castanate in it. The dairy designation does not the same for you and for me. If it says that there is no, I mean, a, you, a person who is allergic to dairy has no business using a, a product that comes from a company, which is a dairy, basically a dairy company, unless they're very, very, very guaranteed that there's no problem with it. 90% of the time, they can get very sick from products that say non-dairy or whatever that come from a dairy company. You know, like, I like to say, for example, even, I'll give you a more dr a dramatic example. A lot of the orange juice is made in dairies. It says it right in the label. This is made in this dairy farm. And the orange juice is done at the end of the day. They do the dairy all day long and, and pasteurized in the, on the equipment. And then at the end of the day, they clean it briefly. And then they do the orange juice. And then afterwards, they do a heavy cleaning before the night. So, yes, they want to get the, the milk off because of the bacteria, because of the, some legal issues also. But as far as actually cleaning it, they don't clean it sufficiently. And people who are allergic could get very sick from that. But is it, is it the OU's policy now? I know they, they don't do DE anymore. They just do D. Is that correct? And the Chavke still does DE? Right. Well, the, 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 the OU never did DE. Never. The oh. OU's position okay. is that we don't need to do DE. We do just use a D because the people should not ever be compromised. In other words, they're protecting you by doing that. Okay. Okay? Thank you very much. Like the, okay, thank you. Have a good evening. Okay, so I, I'm going to just uh, go on to one or two more areas, and, uh, and, and maybe then we'll be able to open the questions up for anything at all. I want to tell you about another area in the meat area, and that is the livers. We know we're familiar with it to a certain extent. Just, it's good to remind ourselves that livers are something that very often are not, uh, haven't been kosher within three days. Livers can't be salted because of the large amount of blood inside. It has to be broiled. Very often they'll sell you liver, whether it's a chicken liver or a beef liver, and it hasn't been koshered. If it hasn't been koshered, meaning broiled, within three days, then it should not be sautéed. So people might like to make uh, chopped liver, and they, they like to, uh, to sauté it in onions. So that's something that should only be done if you know that the livers are within three days of the shrita when you broil it. How do you know that? It's a little hard. So uh, some companies, let's say uh, Meal Mart, Ali, they, uh, they do the shrita and they process it and you buy it in the store Meal Mart so you can be sure that they do that within three days. But a lot of times they're selling you in a butcher store uh, liver, and it hasn't been kosher, or it was kosher, but was it within three days? 
that is something you'd have to find out in the particular store. Don't be surprised to find out that they tell you we don't represent it as within three days. We don't represent it as within three days. That is unfortunately the fact. Most stores cannot guarantee that the chicken livers, because there's thousands of them come at once, or, uh, or, or even the beef liver, they cannot guarantee that it has been broiled within three days. I remember one store in particular, they, they used to take the beef livers and have it broiled outside the store. So first they got it delivered. That's a day or two after the shechita. Then they gave it into another store to broil it. And then he may not have done it the second it came in. So there was no guarantee at all that it was being done within three days. But the store, this store was a very honest store, and they put, posted a sign. And if you asked any questions, they looked at the sign, and they saw our meats today, our livers today are within three days, and not within three days. They would tell you. <clears throat> Most stores don't even bother to tell you anymore about this. And it's something that every consumer should find out about. Somebody says that there was an OUDE designation many years ago. He just emailed me in here. <clears throat> I'm not familiar with it, I, uh, but it's been a long time since they did. But uh, he says it's not true that they never had it. Again, I wasn't familiar with it, but it, if it was, it was for a brief time. It certainly wasn't a common thing. And the, the policy of the OU is to avoid it. That's their, their, their point. Okay. Uh, uh, you, Wickler, let yeah. me ask you a second. You know, you know, well, in, let me in, just tell everybody if they yes. want to call in. We, we, we can now take calls on any topic. Talk to us about any topic about Kashrus. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And if you want to text, 347-927-8398. Texting 347-927-8398. Yes, go ahead. You know, in, in electronics, you have a um, kind <coughs> of an idea that always, let's say that you take a stereo system and you have the best speakers and they have the best amplifier and the worst pre-amplifier or the worst microphone, you always hear the worst part. Even you have the best things, instrument. Right. And, right. So it's, we're looking here on the kashut of the basar, of the basar especially, yeah. you know. And we are here puzzling, you know, because every time we're coming and we're, you know, we're starting, you, you jump over the shechita. And this is, I don't know, it seems like... We had somebody talked about shechita. shechita is, and, his, and his feeling, we had somebody on the show a few years ago, uh, Moshe Yerman. And basically his feeling is that most of the shechita today are pretty solid. <clears throat> I want to tell you that I, I saw some very interesting things at shechita. I saw where there were compromises, and there's no question that there, there can be compromises. I, I just didn't, didn't discuss it in length. Let me just take this call, and then I'll take you. Then we'll we'll discuss what you're talking about. Go ahead, Yaron Kashis on the air. Can I help you? Yeah, hi. Um, I want to know what's the story with grapes. Grapes, we we recommend a washing procedure that takes about 15 minutes. How do you take, do it? You take water, put the grapes in the water. First of all. Take the grapes in the big, there's a big cluster and break it into small little clusters. I don't know how big, you know, five grapes, ten grapes, whatever it is, small grapes, small, small mm -hmm. clusters. Put it in the water, put some soap in there. This, you can do the, the dish soap or you can do the fruit wash soap, whatever it is, some kind of soap, and stir it around a little bit with your hand. Okay. And let it stay there for three minutes. And then <clears throat> after you've done that, take them out. 
and put them under the faucet and wash them off. Okay, fine. And then, no, and then do oh. this two more times. Do the okay, soaking in, in water again one, uh, 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 two more times and the and washing under the, under the faucet. It should take 15 minutes, but you can do pounds and pounds of the stuff. As much as you want for that Shabbos or for that day, but it's going to take you 15 minutes. And this is, we, this is guaranteed to us that this takes care of it. Okay, fine. Thank you so much you for know. your show. We have a lot of calls, but I want to just make, make a, uh, I ask the people if they can just wait a minute, and I'm just going to go on to one part that I really should be saying. There are people, and I'm going to discuss it with you briefly, there are people who are makbid to use only one shaykhet. This one shaykhet shechs for them. Now, I'm going to buy a whole cow? It's not possible. Right. So they get together a few people, and they have a shrita. They trust this rabbi. He's known to them. And they buy an animal. He shechs it. Obviously, it's some place where you don't get arrested for doing it. It's legal to do it, I suppose. You shecht, and then they cut it up. It's not so hard to cut it up. Usually the shochet knows how to do it. Somebody else knows how to do it. People buy the meat based upon the weight and this and that. And you have your own little system. And they store it. And they have for, for months and months like that. From this one shechita. People are like that. There are people who do that. They are 100% on target. Because there's nothing that can go wrong as long as that shochet is a good man. And he checked his knife with a proper person. The knife is checked properly. And he knows all the parts of the animal properly. He knows all about, the sh- about what, what makes it a, a trafer and not makes a trafer. Then we can say that's the best system. Then there's small shritas. Some of the small, small shritas are outstanding. There's one in Muncie that everybody knows. There's a, there's a supermarket. And he has his own private shrita, which he does. And the Welt says it's very, very, very good. I don't know it. I've never seen it. But people say it's very solid. It's all controlled by him. Then you get to a little bit bigger suppliers. And there's a man, let's say, for example, who does pellet chickens. So that he used to be a shaykhet at Falls. And he left Falls because he had standards that I don't think were reflected in the, in the establishment that he was working for. And he went in to, to start his own business. His name is Franklin. And very Ehrlich Yid. And everybody holds from his, his shrita. It's a beautiful shrita. And, the, and you could go and watch it yourself. And anybody who wants to come could see it. And it's a very slow process. Those chickens are held. They walk around the room. They walk around the floor. They walk outside. You see them, healthy chickens. Not something grabbed out of a crate, held by a goy, and the, and the Yid shechs them 100 uh, 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 6, 600 to 1,000 in an hour. Bang, bang, bang. That It's not done that way. It's done with the old-style way where the, the shaykhet holds him and where the... where the Because uh, in Israel, they won't accept our shritas in America because we don't hold the chickens. We have the goy holding it. The, yeah, the, the yid takes the, the head in his hand, but he doesn't hold the chickens. And they wouldn't accept the chickens from America. When they, when, they take, when they want to import chickens from here to Eretz Israel, they make sure that it's done according to a different method, the method that's used in Israel. So, yes, the, we, uh, you, you take somebody like Franklin and his, and his shrita over there, Pella, and that is a very solid, solid shrita. And it's all very doable because it's all controlled by him. And there is a mashkiach and every et cetera, et cetera. The salt that they used 
for, for the chickens. I'm telling you, it wasn't taking a bath in the salt. It was like it was like the two and a half feet that fell here in New York. That's the way the salt looked. It was piled up to the sky. It was amazing. This was a real everything taken very very seriously. And then you go on from there to different other shritas have other good other uh, you know better or worse. So, but if you're not going to limit yourself to one 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 thing, then yes, you have to uh, make a decision. And basically, the main shritas that Hamish Yidden are running and Hamish Ashkachas on it. Yes, they are all being done in a very good way, more or less similar. I'm not saying uh, there isn't anything you could improve on. I'm not saying a person can't be mockpit. We said a person can take one single shrita and be happy with that, or one individual. But you're talking about the quality. It's changed from the way it was. We'll take some callers. Although you're on cautious on the air. Can we help you? Me? Yes, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I would like to know, um, is OK cereal um, good, like, good as OU cereal? We don't make a decision for you on the show about which hashkachas you should use. But okay, no, I want to know if OU is the same. Like, same. Okay, but, I, but I would say to you, the OK and the OU are Is that like the same? Actually, like, I'm saying, is that like the same? It's like the same standard. Right, it's the same. Yeah, it is. Yes, it so is. So if I, if like if I owe you the memory, okay. I think you would be happy with either one if you're if that's if you're using one. I think you'd be just as happy with the other. Yeah, good. Okay. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you Go ahead. You're on cautious on the air. Can I help you? Hello. Yeah, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Do you have to check sunflower seeds before you eat them? Sunflower seeds. Yeah. So l- let me tell you, you're talking about they're in the shell, or they're out yeah. of the shell. They're in the shell. So you just look at the shells in your hand, take a bunch in your hand, and look and see if it looks like anything got in or out of it. It looks like a nibble on the side or cracked like that. Then if then there might have been something that went in. But otherwise, it shouldn't be a problem. Okay, thank you. You certainly um, By the way, I'm, my grandfather's over from Usher Zimmerman. Oh, uh, your grandfather or great-grandfather? Grandfather. I'm his last grandson. Really? Okay. Yeah. Very, very nice. Rabbi Usher Zimmerman was my Rebbe for 30 years, and uh, my, my son is married to his granddaughter. Oh. So you know uh, who that is? You know who it is? Um, what's her name? <laughs> Crone. Her name was Crone. Oh, Crone, yeah. Okay. I take care. Thank you for calling in. All right. Hey, bye. Uh, we have some interesting questions that people texted in over here. Somebody asked here, a K Hersha on a cereal. So then he mentioned something which I think is a, a, from the Kellogg's company. I'm not sure. And if it's from the Kellogg's company, even though it just says K, it's from the KVH, the Vada Arabanim of Massachusetts. We don't make decisions on the air about which Hashkachas to rely upon. The, the person who asked me before about the OU and the OK, I said that they're similar. I just didn't say what, what everybody should do. Then somebody asked, where does this person shecht? I don't know if they're referring to me. I don't shecht. Maybe they're asking about Rabbi Frank, Mr. Fra- Rabbi Franklin. Rabbi Franklin shechts for pellet chickens. He owns pellet chickens. There's some kind of fancy name for it now, but that's uh, that's the, who he is. I saw him do this many years ago, and uh, his, his uh, chickens have always had a high reputation, and they're very expensive because of the quality and the fact that it's a slow process. Uh, it's a very interesting machine. I saw this this factory also. 
Um, the people asked here about uh, buying canned olives, pickles, and more from Israel, which are the shmita, uh, which are from shmita, but grown by a non-Jew. So that's interesting. If it was grown by a non-Jew, means on non-Jewish territory. So then there's a machlokes between the people, the minig of Yerushalayim, and the minig of Bnei Brak. In Bnei Brak, they don't rely on non-Jewish uh, produce in the land of Israel. They want you to get something from Chutzlarts. The badats of the Yedah Haredes in Shalayim relies on the on the non-Jewish uh, we call Yavul Nochri, a non-Jewish uh, productions. So I don't know what it says on the packaging, uh, but but definitely you got to go to good Ashkocha, and if you have a good Ashkocha, then you don't have to worry about this whole issue. And as far as which minak to follow, I mean, you can ask your Rabbanim, but I think most of the B'nai Torah are not so makpid on Minag Yerushalayim versus B'nai B'nai Brak. It's more an issue for Israelis. Um, there are some cans that say it's the sixth year, and some say it's from a non-Jew. Well, obviously the sixth year is good, according to everybody, and if it's from a non-Jew, so that it may have the badats of the Eid HaRedes, but that is considered acceptable by the most religious standards in Israel, except for the people who have the minig of B'nai Brak. Then somebody asked me here, uh, I was told that First Choice and Gerber Baby Chars have the same Ashkocha. Is that correct? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know uh, which Ashkocha it has, so I can't really help you with that. Somebody asked over here uh, about stickers. I can't read that too well here. Seems... Uh, It had a sticker from, and then it stops the discussion. And then somebody mentioned Rabbi Moshe Yerman, which I mentioned earlier, and I think that's all we have here. And as far as the question about stickers, sticker, oh, there's a million calls. Okay, but stickers are like this. If the sticker was put on and it doesn't say anything about a Hashkacha's name, stay away from it. Let it say the name of the company. If it says the name of the company and the name of the product and the Hashkacha, that's a good sticker. Okay, next caller. Yaron Kash is on the air. Can we help you? Yes, my, que- my question is regarding, let's say, let's, let's say, Oreo cookies, right? Somebody that's allergic to it, it just says contains, let's say, wheat. So why is the OU even put a D? Lachol, it's tariff. No, 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 no. no I mean, I'll explain to you. When you, write D, you say D on there? OUD? Yes, OUD. Okay, you have to speak to the OU about it every six months, and they will tell you whether or not there's any dairy in the product. A lot of times, you can't tell there's dairy in the product. Let's say, for example, there are ingredients like flavors and emulsifiers and other things. You think that they're parva and they're nothing. The truth is they could be dairy. So when you yeah, see, but when today's you days, with the allergy, on the package just says contains soy. Now, if somebody's allergic, they can't play around with these things. No, 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 I'll, I'll explain it to you. There's, there's all kinds... Of levels. We mentioned earlier that you could have sodium cassinate, which is a derivative of milk, which according to Halach is 100% dairy. And you could say non-dairy creamer, because the government doesn't want you to call it dairy unless there's milk in it. So there are, you're right, that if you had real milk inside and a small amount, whether you didn't even it didn't say parva, you have to put on the label. It's a question. Otherwise, you can get sued. But things that are not that you have to know a lot about the law. 
a lot of times uh-huh. the ingredients that are that it could be dairy that you don't have to have, uh, and you don't have to say uh, dairy on the on the product. Okay. Sure. Another, yeah. uh, thank okay. you very much for the call. I got in a million calls. Go ahead. You're on the air. Go ahead. Kashmir's on the air. Go ahead, please. Hello. Yes, this is Rabbi Wickler. I'm on the air with you. Hi. Um, in school, um, these people like, you know, um, snob people out, and you know, now they're nice to me, but they're usually like always trying to do this. All right. Well, you know, this there's a show where they talk about the problems they have in school. I mean, it's it's Simcha Cohen does that. But but right, we would talk on this show about kashras. So if it isn't tie into that, I'm really not able to help you. But I think your if your mother and your father could help you. And if you want to call back, uh, Dr. Simcha Cohen is here. What Wednesday, time? Wednesday eight to nine. Wednesday eight to nine, and he would take that that question up. Thank you for calling. Eight to nine. Yes. Yeah, Wednesday. Eight, eight what is the number? This number the here, the number. same number. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, you're on Kasha's on the air. Can I help you? Yeah, hi. Is that me? Yes, it's you. Hi. I wanted to know the proper way of cleaning and checking a portobello mushroom. I don't have my book in front of me, so I don't want to say the wrong thing. Uh-huh. If, you if you don't have Rabbi Vaya's book, it would, it would be worth getting it. There's uh-huh. different kinds of uh, uh, mushrooms. But basically, the, the, the black thing on the bottom has to be moved. Past that, I can't tell you. I'm, uh-huh. I, there is more stuff he says in the book, but I, I don't remember it by heart, and I, and I can't be. If you call us at the office, 718-336-8544, I will tell you. You'll leave okay. a message, we'll get back to you, 718-336-8544. Thank you so much for your show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, you're on Cautious on the Air. Can we help you? Okay, you're on the air. If you could turn that down, you'll be, we'll hear you. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Uh, go ahead, please. Yes, I'd, I'd like to know the difference between glot and base Yosef Shechita. Okay. This, uh, I, first of all, thank you for calling. I recognize who it is right away. But <laughs> thank glot, you. Okay. The glot, the glot in America today has a number of sirchos. The people who listen to the show don't know about that. I just got to explain briefly. I don't know if we get everything else done tonight. A sircha is a connection from the lung to the diaphragm. And when the, the first shech, the animal, there's a bedikas penim, where the, where the mashkiach puts his hand in the animal and feels around and sees if there are any of these adhesions. And then he notes it. And then, he, and then when they take the lung out, they examine the lung and see if they see these sirchus that, at that time. And then they have to make a decision. So what they do is, if there are three sirchus or more, Say there are more than three sirchos, so there are four or more adhesions, then they don't sell it as glot kosher. They sell it as regular kosher. If it's three or less, then they try to remove them, and then they examine by blowing up the lung to see if there's any holes. That's basically what they call glot today, even though it has a number of adhesions. Base Yosef glot is supposed to have zero adhesions. That's what's supposed to be. The trouble is that there's a lot of pressure to get base Yosef glot, and therefore there may be issues, which I don't want to discuss tonight. Okay? Where do they get so many base Yosef behaviors? It's, it's interesting, I admit. It's interesting. And for many years, Rabbi Heinemann from Baltimore refused to give base Yosef glot a name. 
But there was so much pressure put on him that he even acquiesced also. So we're living in a time, always pressure, pressure, pressure. We live with pressure, and the cautious agencies live with pressure, and you know what pressure produces. So thank you very much for the call. Okay, I'm going to call you tomorrow at the office. <laughs> okay, thank you. About something else, thank totally you, different. Thank you, okay. okay, you're another caller. Good. You're on cautious on the air. You're on Hello? cautious on the air. Go ahead, please. Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Is a plastic tablecloth on the Melchiger table enough to put placing on top? Are you putting a plastic tablecloth? You mean a, a throwaway thing? A regular plain um, plastic tablecloth that's disposable. So is that enough to put what? To put placing on top. As opposed to, we mean, you mean you have milkings underneath it? You what? Mean, you mean the table itself is dairy, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, it would be good, but if you, if it's, but you have to be sure it's not hot food, because the hot food could um, spill and uh, maybe leach through. And even if it doesn't leach through, it's it, it's going to produce moisture. That's that would be the leaching through. So I, I mean, I'm not happy if you're putting a bowl of soup there with nothing else underneath it. I would say put a plate with a bowl of soup in it. On top of that, you're great. But if you just, just if you just put plain regular food that's not hot, it's good. No problem, no problem. You don't need anything more than that. And if it's hot food, you can't. If it's hot food, it's not a question. We're worried about it making a hole inside or leaching through because it can. It's very thin. Those things, and uh, we're always worried that you know, hot food, even or even it's burning hot. It may be able to, this is called the Ad Nifesvo. It might go through, and we, we're concerned with that. So, yes, we would want you to put a plate. Thank you very much for the call. Bye. We have no more time? Okay, so until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Cautious Magazine. And if you'd like to reach us, you'd like to get the magazine, you have any questions, call us at 718-336-8544 or email us at Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Thank you for listening.